you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, what is up to my favorite people on the entire planet? What's up, Movement Church? It's so good to have you here. Thank you for tuning in. I want to say, what? Yuts up? Yuts up to our online campus. It's so great to have you. Type in, type in, type in at the amen. It's so good to have you here. We're glad that you're tuning in. I believe God's going to do something awesome in your life, even though I'm talking like Mario and Luigi. And what's up to South Campus? Come on, make some noise. Say, Give somebody an air high five or a fist bump. And let me just also say what's up to our studio campus. Make some noise. We're so glad that you're here with us tonight. It's going to be an awesome Sunday. Listen, we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom Come, and we are unpacking God's biblical principles, his heart for human flourishing. And, and we're doing this in how it has direct opposition to the, the current climate in the world that we live in. And how do we wrestle the tension of that? How do we manage the tension of that? How do we walk in the fullness of God's plan for our life in a world that often says God's plan for our life is old school and archaic and outdated? And that's, that's what this series is about. But listen, before we dive into the content, because it's, it is going to be something that probably will blow your mind. I just want to throw that out right now. Before we dive into that, I want to invite you out to Movement Night next Sunday night. Listen, Movement Nights are our secret sauce. And we love gathering as a church and pop-up campuses around Orange County. We love small groups, connect groups. We love relationship, but we are desperate for the presence of God. And I want you to come out and, and with us this Sunday, Movement Night. All the information you need, need is right here on our app, everywhere you could possibly imagine. You can find out everything you need to know. But listen, we're going to do celebrate communion together as a family. We're going to worship for a longer period of time. We're going to pray for each other. We're just going to lean into the presence of God and let him just show up in a way that all of us need. Amen? Come on, let me get an amen from some South Campus, some online campus, some studio campus. It's going to be awesome. Well, listen, today's message is going to be a little longer than usual, so lean in, get your app out, make sure you're taking notes, but also I want to challenge you just to open your heart and your mind to what God wants to say and do, because this is a profound series right here, right now. And listen, to help us in this journey, we've invited our great friend, Pastor Josh Bingle. He's hey, out with hey, us again. Hey. What's up, my friend? It's been so long since I've seen you. Yeah, At least very a, long a week. It yeah. feels like a week yeah, yeah, has yeah, gone yeah, yeah. by. It has, but we're glad that you're with us. And for those of you that are tuning in today, yeah, he was with us last week. So make sure you go back and check out the previous weeks on Kingdom Come. He and his wife pastor an amazing church in Spokane, Washington. They've been there for a number of years doing awesome things but the great thing is this is we became friends not too long ago and 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 Megan and I my wife and I were just experiencing in 2020 and in, even into 2021 just the craziness of our world yeah. and from everything to politics to covid to the 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 racial challenges that we're still facing and and I just felt like 
like I didn't know how to lead and I didn't know what to say. You would say one thing and one group of people would be angry. You'd say another thing and another group of people would be angry, even down to masks. Do we wear yeah. masks or not? I have people yeah. that are angry I'm wearing yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah. And other people I can't believe. Why would you not wear a mask? And it's just like overwhelming. And then I watched you teach on, on this, this thing that's happened, this, this, this emerging culture. You gave it a name and a shape for me and for Megan, and that's why we brought you mm. in to help us as a church grow in this. And so uh, just kind of do do me a favor and, and help catch our people up. Uh, to Just kind of dive. Let's just dive in. Let's Can we do, do that? Just dive into this, this concept. What is this underpinning? What is this under the current that we're feeling and sensing yeah. right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a counter worldview, a counter narrative, a counter um, vision for human flourishing. Yeah. Like God... God created you to flourish and he created you with a purpose yeah. and he created you on purpose and he created you with gifts and talents and like a mission for your life. And you desire to flourish and I desire yeah. to flourish. And so many of the conversations that were going on in our nation, like necessary yeah. conversations yeah. are coming from the place of like, how do we help people flourish? Yeah. How do we help people live their best life? And God has a very specific vision right. for human flourishing as delineated in scripture. And so there's a, a counter worldview. Yeah. Um, there are many different ones. I love, the, I love how you used uh, Google Translate yeah. like yeah. As, as an analogy where your worldview, you have one, I have one. It helps us interpret what's happening to us, what's happening around us. What are we seeing in the news? What's people's motivations? Yeah. And, and yeah. it, it kind of helps us process yeah. what we're seeing around us. So I love the way you said it's like Google Translate yeah. for your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and the historic Christian worldview has always been founded in the fact that you, first and foremost, you are a created being. Come on, come on. You are created by God on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. You, you are an imager of God and you are the object of his holy love. Oh, and you were, you were created to share spiritual authority on this earth. And, yeah. and I love how you said, and to live out your unique purpose. Yeah, right. Right. And, and, and that's what you're here for. And that's what the historic Christian worldview has showed us and told us. And, and I was watching over this last season, uh, friends of mine, very close friends who love Jesus. Mm. I believe that about them. They love Jesus. They want to see people flourish, but they were getting picked off. Right to the point to where it, it started with like, I don't think the church is doing a good enough job talking about racism sure. or sexuality or gender issues or sure. anything like that that is currently in our world. Hey, pause right there. Yeah. I, I think that, that there's truth to that, that the church can do better. Yes. And I think My that's because somebody just got felt tension right there. <laughs> and I, I think that, that we can do better. Yes. And, and I know you're saying your friends were sharing that, but as I've seen, you're, you're saying even this in our last time together that it went beyond just the church can do better. Yeah. And what happened? Yeah, it was, that's where it started. And then it slipped into, well, I don't even know if God is, is real. Mm. Mm. Or for other people, it was like, well, that's, you know, Jesus is my truth mm. and, it, and it works best for me. That's the way I've found. Wow. But for other people, it, it might be something different. Sure. And I went from, my goodness, when Jesus says like, he says, oh gosh, I'm gonna cry. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. Mm. And one of the disciples asked, how will we know the way? Oh, how will we know the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way. Yep. Like, you know it because you know me. I'm, how... I'm gonna go and I'm gonna prepare a place for you. And he's like, wait, wait, how will we know the way, Jesus? How? Yeah. He says, I'm the way. 
I'm, I'm the, truth the truth and the life. Yes. And no one comes to the Father except through yeah. me. Yeah. And so, so it was breaking my heart to see friends who, they were right in that we probably can do better. I know we can do better about talking. We're broken, we're yeah. fallible, we're fallen. Yeah. Leaders aren't perfect. We can do a better job, but, but I was watching it slip into, well, Jesus is my truth. Mm. And Jesus isn't your truth, he's, he's the truth. And that's like a, that's like a, it's a controversial statement in today's, in today's world yeah. where, where language is powerful and boundaries are blurred and lines are blurred to, to, to claim like Jesus did that he not only had the corner on truth, mm. but that he himself is the truth is like so controversial. I love the way you said the gospel is simultaneously inclusive and exclusive. Yeah. It's inclusive in the sense that whosoever will come may, yep. but it's exclusive in that it's only through me. Yep. So watching that happen, I'm going, my goodness, what's going on? I started to see that they were adopting a counter worldview for human flourishing. So get, what is this counter worldview? And, and talk about briefly the framework of that. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're calling it, we're adopting um, James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose's language of applied postmodernism. Mm -hmm. And you may have heard it called critical theory or even, you know, social Marxism. It yeah. gets tossed around and we, neither of us like that language because right. it immediately, spikes come out. You're like, right. Marxist, 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 it's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Right. But this applied postmodernism that is, has a couple truths and then some key concepts, the first of which is, the, the uh, knowledge principle, the applied postmodern knowledge principle, which is a radical skepticism about whether objective truth can be known. Mm -hmm. Radically skeptical about objective truth. Yeah. And the political principle, the second one, the political principle that society is mainly made up of different groups of people all vying for dominance and power, which mm -hmm. is so counter to, to the Christian, the historic Christian yeah. worldview, yeah. which is that we are not at odds with one another. We yeah. are not enemies with yeah. one another. We share some things in common, that we are imagers of God. You were created in his image and his likeness, and I was too. And so as every person on, on the other side of whichever aisle you want to draw, sure. they are imagers yeah, of God. Right, right. And we are all fallen in our sin. Say that again. <laughs> Say it's, if what you are hearing is like, oh, oh Pastor Kerry's so right wing, or Pastor Kerry's so left wing, yeah. or he's so this, or he's so that, it's so not that right, right. because neither one of those have a corner on truth only right. jesus has a corner on right. truth and sometimes the 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 human creations of political parties or movements sometimes aspects of those overlap god's vision for right. human flourishing and that's awesome but they are at best like this yeah right. never like this right and so God had a, a vision for human flourishing and people on the other side of whichever thing you ascribe to, they were created in the image of God and Jesus died for them. There's like two major uh, analogies. It was more than that, but two of the major ways that God describes us in, in scripture in the New Testament is as ambassadors and soldiers. Yep. And we are ambassadors. You gave your life to Jesus and then, and then the apostle Paul says that you have the ministry of reconciliation. You are ambassador of reconciliation to the world. And then he also tells us that, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't yeah. fight with flesh and blood, but they are mighty to tear down strongholds. Yeah. And, and that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers and high places that have established themselves against the plan and purposes of God. Yeah. 
And, and so we are both soldiers and ambassadors, but we are ambassadors to people and, and we are soldiers yep. against improper ideologies. Yep. And, and we have flipped those yep. in the church. If I can just talk to church Do people, it. some of the ways that we've got it wrong is that we have made friends with our ideologies and we have made enemies out of people. And that's backwards, my mm. friend. Mm. You should be skeptical of any human ideology, mm. skeptical. But you should be, madly in love. And this is a word to me because I can get super skeptical about people, but I need to carry the love of Jesus for the people who are on the other side of whatever aisle I'm on, whatever line I have drawn. And I may think that that's the line that's closest to God's vision for human flourishing, but but I am am skeptical of my ideologies and radically in love with people. And we're ambassadors of reconciliation to the people in, in this world. And so we've kind of flipped those a little bit and got them backwards. Totally. And so I'm trying to work through that personally in my own life. So as there's well. these two these two core yeah. principles of there there's no such thing essentially as objective truth. Right. And there, there are always two opposing people groups, or at or least, at least, yeah, uh, which flies in the face of God's plan and for human yes. flourishing. But there's four themes, and and without diving into detail on these, because we hit on one of them last week, the yeah. the blurring of boundaries. If you missed last week, go back and watch again. And then there's also the power of language, yes, cultural relativism, and I always forget the fourth one. Every it's a long time. one. It is the loss of the individual and the universal. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna wrap this series up, and, and Pastor Megan's gonna drop some bombs on the final conclusion of this. But I want you to take a minute and unpack the power of language. And mm. and this can it, this honestly, if we could just pause, this feels like a conspiracy theory. Like we're talking <laughs> about a group of people, like Antifa or QAnon or what? Maybe it was just Megan and her girl group. I don't know. Yeah. This conspiracy theory of some group of people that got together to create this, and that's not the no. way this is working. We're talking about has been in existence for decades and it's this ideology this philosophy this worldview yeah. that is undermining god's biblical principles and plan i love how you say for human flourishing yeah but take a minute and unpack the power of language yeah so the power of language in applies in applied postmodernism, this counter worldview um they, they believe and they hold true. They're, all of the philosophers, this is not like you said, some conspiracy yeah. theory. This is all in primary sources. Like you can go read it from all of the Mount Rushmore of, of critical theorists and applied postmodernists that language is a powerful tool of the oppressor. Hmm. And so language being a powerful tool of the oppressor, like you said, it's not that it's um, a bunch of like rich, white, straight Christian guys who sat in a room and is like, here's how we're gonna keep black people down. That's not what they're asserting. They're saying that since language is so powerful and the power of language, that people in power use language games to keep people oppressed. Mm. And so not only is there radical skepticism about objective truth, which is dangerous to, to your human flourishing yeah. because Jesus declared himself that he is the truth. Yeah. But, but, but skepticism about the power of language is massively important because faith comes by hearing yep. and hearing by the word, the word of God. And this counter worldview holds that, that words Words don't really mean anything mm. in and of themselves. They only mean things based upon the other words that are around them. So we can constantly redefine words based on the moment, mm. which again, if you're- it's if, terrifying. Yes, and if you're tracking and following, like 
God's word, it means stuff. Yeah. And what he said and what he declared was for your good. Yep. And so that you could flourish and so that you could become the, the version of yourself that he created you to be. And so, and so twisting words and changing definitions as a way to overthrow the oppressor if you're not careful, like scripture itself is one long singular narrative yep, yep. from an oppressor. Yeah, yep. According to this worldview, right. like God says, yeah. it's my way. Yeah. It's not your way. And I love you even when you have gone on your yeah. own way. I love you enough to come for you, but it's still, it's my way. Yeah. And words mean things. They're not defined by other words. They're not just, they correlate to reality. They, they, they absolutely mean things. Well, even, okay, in the scripture, God says that uh, this word is a double-edged sword. Yes. Able to pierce and divide the soul asunder. He doesn't oh. say, hey, these are cliff notes and figure out if you like them. And let's just kind of, if they work, apply them. And if not, no worries. He's saying, no, there's, there's specificity yes. in them. And so it makes sense that there's a cultural so normative that's trying to say, no, really language becomes valuable if I see value in yes. it. And that's where Brilliant. this is broken down, I think, and, and becomes so harming. Yeah, and, and even think about um, uh, the armor of God, where yeah. after you've done all you can do to stand, stand yep. and put on the whole armor of God. There's only one offensive weapon. You know what it is? So the word yep. of God. Yep. Everything else is defensive. It's the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. It's the belt of truth. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the shield of faith. Yeah. Going back to my VBS roots Come on. here. Come on. It's, it's my feet. Let's go King James. My feet are shod with the preparation of peace. <laughs> Come on. And then there's one offensive weapon. Yep. There's a sword yep. of the spirit, which is the word of yep. God. And so if I was the enemy and I wanted to take away your offensive weapon mm. to fight against the things that are, that are coming against your future. Yeah. I, would, I would not only blur the boundaries that God set, I would start changing what words meant. Mm. And I would start messing with the word of God and I would make you suspicious about the word of God. Mm. I'd make you suspicious about, well, what does it actually mean? Mm. And, and where this leads to is this, this applied postmodern thought that the speaker's meaning this is straight from the pen of Jacques Derrida, one of the French postmodernists in the 60s. What the, the speaker's meaning has no more authority than the hearer's interpretation. Mm. The speaker's meaning has no more authority than the hearer's interpretation, which is danger zone because you and I in our fallenness and our sinfulness, we need the Holy Spirit to, to enlighten us by what he meant when he said what he said in right, scripture. Right. And it's led to this really, I'm so thankful for reading plans and devotions. Like I have a reading plan and I'm, so I'm not against that. Yeah. But if we're not careful, we can get into this hyper devotional way to read the scripture. And we, and we ask the question, what, did this, what does this scripture mean to me? Mm. And what we should be asking is what did this scripture mean to the people it was written to? And what has it meant to the church for 2000 right, years? Right, right. We can know what scripture means yeah. because we have had doctors of scripture. We have had doctors of the church 
much smarter men and women than we will ever be who have been interpreting scripture for 2000 years. Like the three main doctors of theology in the church are North African bishops. Mm. These brilliant North Africans from the fourth century. Yeah. Who, who they, they codified for us the, the doctrine of the Trinity and they codified for us these beautiful things and they argued over it in church councils. Mm. And, and, and they wrestled and they prayed and these councils lasted for months. Mm. And, they, and then they said, this is, this is by the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is what this means to us. And this is what the word of God means to us. And so my friend, if you are approaching scripture hesitantly because you're like, I don't want to get it wrong. And it's so intimidating. There's so much of it. And that one's hard to hear. And, and I, don't, I don't know what that means. Take comfort in the fact that people have been interpreting scripture for 2000 years by the direction of the Holy Spirit and you can know what it means. But but if this cultural moment, the, the power of language saying that your interpretation is just as authoritative as what the author meant, you have to throw sanctification out the window. You have to throw the power of the word of God out the window because it doesn't mean what you want it to mean. It means what God wanted it to mean. And then we sit here in 2021, we walk through our moments of pain. We walk through our moments of challenge. Mm. We read the word and we go, well, I think for today, this means blank to me. Mm. And we remove the authority of scripture. Mm. And once we remove the authority of scripture, then we actually have no foundation to stand on. Yes. It, it only becomes as powerful in our life as we want it to or need it to. And the enemy, Satan's been doing this since the Garden of Eden. Come on. He showed up to Adam and Eve and, and he says, Eve, why don't you have the fruit? And she, I mean, this is paraphrase. We can't. God said we would surely die. And, and what did Satan say? Did he really did he say really that? Say? Did he really say that? It was just this subtle underpinning, undermining concept that maybe God didn't really mean what yes. he said. And so you might be right now thinking of a people group or an organization. I just know how this works, but we're not here to point the fingers at the right-wing conservatives, the left-wing liberals, Antifa, QAnon, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. What we're here to talk about is how this, this concept, this cultural normative has woven its way into the fabric of Christianity today that we have somewhat adopted this concept that maybe words only mean what I need them to mean yeah. in this moment. Yeah. And that leads to some dangerous places. Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because this is not just like, you know, let's take shots at the left. It's very right. prevalent in the right wing of American politics yeah. as well, yeah. changing what things mean oh, and, yeah. and being skeptical about truth. Like you see those man on the street interviews where right. it's like, you know, Donald Trump had this policy and people are like, I love it. And they're like, actually that was Obama. And they're like, oh no, you tricked me. I hate right, it. It's right, stupid. Right. And it's, 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 so it's prevalent everywhere. This right. is not just like pick a side. This is Jesus. When he came, He was not like, uh, Jesus was not like some subversive person. Mm. He was transcendent. Mm. And, and, And because he was transcendent, it was subversive to anything the world had to offer. 
So he didn't come out, he didn't set out to subvert empires. empires. He transcended them and he spoke about the kingdom and established the kingdom. And people uh, on the Roman side, people on the Jewish side, people who are like Simon the Zealot, yeah. who was a literal domestic terrorist. Mm. And, and, and Matthew the tax collector, who tax collectors were the primary target of the zealots. Mm. He sat them together at the same table. The zealot and the tax collector. And he, he proclaimed the kingdom and the kingdom was so compelling that Simon left behind his zealotry and Matthew left that behind. They didn't need to have a conversation about like shared experiences. Yeah. And he was just, the, the kingdom of God was so compelling. And so it wasn't Jesus taking shots at one side or the other. In fact, anytime people tried to get Jesus, they tried to hijack Jesus and invite them into his thing. He would be like, you don't understand. I'm here about the kingdom. Yeah. I'm here on my father's yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't a cop-out. Yeah. It was transcendent. Man. And we, here's what we've done. We've made the problem people. Yes. And we forget that the problem is sin. Yes. That we've, we've chosen self-rule. So we take, take October, November, October, September, October, November of last year. It was all about the person who is evil. Yes. And not the fact that actually, no, humanity at its core is evil. <laughs> yes. All of us are. Wait, go, go back just for a minute and come yeah. right back to that. You talked about our ideology versus people and what we've weaponized, what we shouldn't be. Weaponized. Just one more time. Hit that yes. now after we talked about power of language. Yes, you are a soldier ambassador. You are a soldier against the principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Not against people. Not against people. Yeah. You, you are an ambassador of reconciliation mm. to people. You, you, you are an ambassador. You have been given a mission, a heavenly mission. I love, there's an early church document called the so-called letter to Diognetus. Mm. And this guy, Diognetus, it's a, it's a first century document. And he's asking questions about the church and about Christianity because he's a Roman guy and he doesn't understand. Mm. It doesn't make sense. How are these people joyful? Mm. How are they at peace? How, like they, they operate so differently. And, and the author of the letter, he says to Diognetus, he says to the Christian, every foreign land is a fatherland, mm. but every fatherland is a foreign land. Mm. Meaning you're gonna find Christians in every country but their country is a foreign land to them because they are citizens of, of heaven. To them, every foreign land is a fatherland, but every fatherland is a foreign land. Mm. And America is a foreign land. I am thankful to be born. I'm so blessed and I love that I get, but, but this is a foreign land. This is not my home. Mm. And so to, to make enemies out of people and friends with my ideology is backwards. Yeah. Absolutely backwards. Mm. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. We're soldiers against principalities and powers and rulers in high places that have established themselves against- We could hang right here oh right now for probably another hour because <laughs> right now there are some of you who are listening and you, you're you on the right side of the, the, not the correct, the right side of the political aisle yeah. and you see those on the left side as an enemy, but God's created you as an ambassador and vice versa. Yes. And there are those of you that have, that were hashtagging all lives matter. And you've put those that have said black lives matter on the other side of the aisle, but God's made you an ambassador to them and vice versa. Yes. And we, we have been blinded to that truth because we've allowed this cultural normative to become the worldview through which we see our world, through which we interact with people. We've made people the problem and not sin. And so that's what this series is about. And I, I could, 
I have like 40 questions I have like locked and loaded, but I, we've got to go to the next. Yeah. The next, there's four themes with applied postmodernism. It is the blurring of boundaries, the power of language. And I want you to take a moment right now. We've got to unpack this next one because I think if we don't hit this, then we do a disservice yeah. to our listeners. Talk about cultural relativism and what that is and how it is, is so damaging in our lives. Yes. This one is so prevalent in the church. So. I love how you, Pastor Gary, have you keep bringing it back. This is not about them. Yeah. It's about you. It's about keeping watch on your own soul. Cultural relativism is the idea that because in postmodern theory, truth and knowledge are constructs. Yep. They are constructs in the, by the dominant discourses and language games that operate within a society. And so cultural relativism is arguing that since we cannot step outside of our own social location, meaning my, my, my gender, my sexuality, my, my skin color, my job, my zip code, the amount of kids I have, my age, all of these things in their worldview are, are elements of your social location. Yeah. And they argue that because, because truth and knowledge are social constructs, that I cannot, it is not possible for me to step outside of my social location to critique anybody else in a different social location. Mm. Which again, danger zone. Huge. Because what that would mean is that the only people that I could pastor and the only people that I could disciple and the only people that I could minister to would be white, cis-hetero males, 35 years old, two kids. Really good looking. In my zip code. Handsome as all get out, like my <laughs> wife says. No, I'm just kidding. Which is not even in scripture. No. Jesus discipled women. So applied postmodernism is would essentially remove your ability to speak to anyone that doesn't have a life that mirrors yours yes. because it's outside of your cultural no, cultural normative. Yes, because truth and knowledge are social constructs. Mm. And so live This is this is this is dangerous. This is dangerous. Listen to me, movement church. This you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. No, no, this is problematic. And explain why yeah. this is problematic. Yeah, because because in this worldview, lived experience gets elevated over truth. And sincerity is more powerful than truth. Say that again lived, right here in this camera. Lived experience is elevated over truth. And I want to pause there because, because some of you are like, but you haven't lived my experience. And I know I haven't lived your experience. Mm. And I'm not here to tell you that your lived experience is irrelevant. Your lived mm. experience is powerful. Mm. But it's powerful in its proper place. Mm when submitted to the truth of the word of God and the, and, the, and, the, and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, God will use your lived experience as the most powerful testimony in your life. Wow. It's what he did with Paul. It's what he did with Peter. Yeah. Yeah. It's what he did with the woman at the well. It's yeah. what you could go down the list where God is not asking you to abandon your social location. Mm -hmm. He's just asking you to submit it to a new primary identifier as son of the king or daughter of the king. And it's when it's in its proper place, then it can be used mm -hmm. powerfully. There, there are people in your world that you can minister to that I could never minister to. Yeah. It's, it's the Gadarene demoniac. Mm -hmm. Jesus sets him free. It's Mark chapter five, Jesus sets him free. I know I'm not supposed to touch Mark five, that's Pastor Megan's chapter. <laughs> but Mark chapter five, Jesus sets him free. And then he asked the question, can I come with you? Can I come back? And total jerk move, Jesus goes, no. Yep. 
but I want you to go and I want you to tell them what I've done for you. Yep. Because they asked Jesus to leave. Yeah. But there was something about his social location, him being one of them that was powerful. And so it's powerful when it's submitted to a new primary identifier. Mm. My, my primary identifier is not white Christian. It's Christian man. I, am, I have on. white skin, yep. but I'm a Christian. Yeah. I might have very white skin. Very you, white. You need to get out of I'm Spokane clear, for a like minute. Larry Bird. Get to some Orange County. But moving on. So this idea that, that because we don't share lived experience, I cannot speak to you because truth, is, truth and knowledge are social constructs. And so outside of my social construct, I don't know your truth and I, can't, I, have, I have no access to the knowledge that you have access to means that I could never challenge you on anything because, because that becomes language games and tools of the oppressor to keep you oppressed and to keep you down. So here's where the church is, is getting this wrong, if I might just, or in my estimation, yeah. humbly say In your humble this. yet accurate opinion. Yes is that what, what we're often doing is arguing people's lived experience. Mm -hmm. That's not what we argue. Yeah. Some, for someone to come and, and tell me that, that they were pulled over for the crime of driving while black, mm. I've, I have no idea what that would ever be like. Right. And I don't, I, the move is not to go, well, that was your interpretation and, and you don't know about it. Cops have it hard too. Stop it. We weep mm. and we mourn the brokenness and the fallenness of humanity that puts people in other groups. And there are people who very, it's very real people that treat people of other skin colors poorly for that reason alone. Absolutely. Racism is 100% still in effect in yes. our country. There's no doubt about it. And so I don't argue that lived experience. Yeah. We weep and we mourn. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I say, I'm sorry, can we pray? Mm. It's, it's not, it's, that's not what God has for you, and I'm sorry. On the other side of, of this applied postmodernism, what they would ask for is that me as a white person, that I need to carry guilt and repent for that. Mm. Which there's a difference between mourning and guilt. Yep. I mourn, but God is not asking me mm. to be guilty for the sins of others. Mm. And in fact, the shed blood of Jesus was atonement for that sin. Mm. And so, so I, I, I weep and lament and mourn the fallenness and brokenness of sinful humanity. Yeah. But where I do get to weigh in is the solutions that we are, yep. that we're proposing moving forward. And me as, as a pastor or, or, or a leader in your life, you have leaders in your life who, if you're not careful, this worldview would say, that they don't understand your lived experience and so they can't speak into your life, which my friend is gonna keep you in bondage. Yeah. And it's gonna keep you down. It's gonna keep you small. Mm. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, I cannot tell you how much mm. I long for you yep. to step into this wide open spacious life. Yep. So the smallness that you feel, we didn't put that on you. It's coming from inside yeah. of you. Yeah. And so this is dangerous, this, this power of language and cultural relativism where I can't speak into your life unless I share the same points of intersectionality as you. Yeah. It, it will stop you from becoming everything that God has called you to be. And this doesn't just bleed only into racism, which we're seeing right. today in our nation. This bleeds into politics, but this bleeds into Christianity. Yes. When, when I heard you teach on this the first time, you talked about a, uh, a statistic from Barna 
with regards to this and in people sharing their faith. Yes. Would you just take a minute and, yeah. and touch on that? Barna just recently released Barna's a, a research group that they primarily work in the Christian world. And they released a study that um, almost, this is their conclusion, almost half of millennials, so 47% agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. Read, say that one more time. 47%, almost half of millennials, 47% of millennials agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in the hopes that they will one day share the same faith. We call that evangelism. Which is also the great commission, which Jesus said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Yes. But it, with, with you look at that, how this underpinning cultural normative says, well, if Jesus said that, but I'm not necessarily sure if that's a truth for me now, yes. then I don't actually have to walk in that. Right. And so then what the enemy, not a political party, the enemy being Satan has done is this has become a norm for us. And I've kind of sidelined the principles of godliness for the principles that I feel are most yes. applicable. Yes, and, and that, that thought of it being morally wrong to evangelize mm. comes because we've been baptized in, in, in a world of cultural relativity where it's Jesus is my truth, but maybe Buddha is the way for them, or maybe Taoism, or maybe, you know, all their tarot cards mm. and, you know, whatever it, whatever it may be, maybe that's the best way yeah. for them. And so who am I to tell them what it is? Whereas the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do yeah. everything that I have said to you. The most kind and caring and loving thing you could do is to tell somebody that Jesus is the way, yeah. the truth and the life. And it's offensive. Very. But that brings freedom. Yes. And that goes back to even what we spoke yes. about last week. I can't stress enough. You got to tune into all of these is the this this cultural normative in, in this cultural moment it's blurring those boundaries and so it, if the pervasive the prevailing winds would tell you that the boundaries which you believe in based upon the christian principles that we find in the scripture if those are offensive then you need to leave them alone yeah. it in essence silences what god has placed in you and this is what we're seeing and what I know, I, I feel and sense is even right now as you're listening, you think I'm talking about a people group or an organization. And I'm talking to you, actually. And, and to me, because we have allowed this counter-Christian, it's not anti-Christian, because in this cultural normative, you live your truth. So if your truth is Christianity, it's great, as long as you don't push your truth on to me and to my truth. So it's not, it's not anti-Christian, it's counter-Christian, which is actually worse. Yeah. If it was anti-Christian, we would be up in arms about it. But because it allows me to do me, I'm just gonna do me, and allows you to do you, then we're okay. And so it's not like there becomes this outrage, it, it becomes indifference. And that indifference is actually oh, wow. keeping people in profound bondage when jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free it's the very thing we're afraid is offensive that is actually what jesus wants to use to bring freedom and we don't even realize that we have fallen prey 
to this ideology. And we, we, we might look at it as a conspiracy theory. There's not a people group behind it, but we have just allowed it to become the norm for us. And, and I like what you said is that it, it hinders the process of sanctification. Talk about that for like a minute and a half. Yeah, it hinders the process of sanctification because God put authority in our lives to help us grow, to challenge us, to change us, to shape us, to mold us. We say, God, move in my life, but He moves through His Word and yeah. through His people. Yeah. And so if, I'm, if, if language is just a game and a tool of the oppressor, then when I, I'm gonna approach Scripture skeptically, mm. like what you believe about something determines how you approach it. Mm. So if I believe that it's just a tool to keep me down, then I'm gonna approach it skeptically and I'm gonna pick the pieces that I like. Yep. If I believe that no one can speak into my life unless they have lived my experience, then the process of sanctification is hindered. Mm, mm, mm. And so I would also say on the flip side that, that a lot of where this comes from in the church is that people have really been abused by people in power. Yeah, it's very real. Abuse of power, abuse of language, yeah. abuse of position, and that's wrong. It's harmful and it's hurtful, but because that exists in some places doesn't mean that power itself and authority wow. itself is inherently unjust. Because wow. God has all authority, flash fact. Yeah. And He is for your good. Yeah. And so maybe you would just allow people to speak into your word, people that are full of the word of God, full of the wisdom of heaven and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it requires trust to trust that they have your best interest at heart. But if, if language is just a, a power game mm. and if cultural relativism that says you can't speak into my life unless you've shared my experience, if those things are true, yeah. then sanctification is out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it brings us back to God's plan for you. I love how you say that. God's plan for human yeah, flourishing. Yeah, that's N.T. Wright. God's vision for human flourishing. We'll give you credit for yeah. it. Okay, He's cool. not N.T. Wright's not here. Yeah. I, it, it brings us back to Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And that's what we want. We want to be the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be according to what God has. By changing the way that you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing and perfect. Listen, church, I, I want this for you and for me, that we can walk in the fullness of God's will. But I also know that right now, there are some people right here in the studio campus, at our South campus, our online campus, and you're watching and you feel a wrestle, a tension. And I don't mean about with regards to what we're saying, but you feel the wrestle and the tension of God trying to do something new in you. And there is a starting point. And you're tuned in right now because God wants to help you get to that starting point. Pastor Josh, would you just take a minute and unpack what that means for those that may have never begun that journey with Jesus? Yeah, I love the Holy Spirit doing work in you. And responding to the work of the Holy Spirit, we respond and say, Jesus is Lord. Mm. Scripture tells us no one can say, Lord, Lord, except by the Spirit. Mm. So the Holy Spirit working in you. And, and then we respond to the work of Jesus by repentance and yeah. confession. So yeah. we repent for us and we change our mind. And so I would love to pray. Can I pray? Yeah, so, uh, I'm gonna pray for you and call this a, 
a prayer of salvation, call this a, a, like a fresh start prayer, whatever yeah. you may call it, sinner's prayer. But we simply acknowledge that we are sinful and we need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus came, lived, died and rose again, then you will be saved. Yeah. And he starts a work in you. You don't have to have it all figured out, but he starts a work in you to where you start coming alive to who you were really created to be. Mm. It's a famous preacher line, but I love to say it. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. And saying yes to Jesus, it brings something to life in you. Mm. You come alive to who God created you to be. And so if that work of the Holy Spirit is, is going on in you, we're gonna pray together and ask, for those of you who are saying, yes, I need Jesus. I'm, I wanna respond to Jesus. I need, I need Him at work in me, this, this flourishing. I need this at work in me. The Holy Spirit is drawing you to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask that you would just incline your heart to the Father. Just have a moment with God and pray along. Would you, would you repeat this prayer? Let's pray together. Uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, and we'll pray. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know that I've sinned and I need you. Come into my world, be my leader, be my Lord, make me brand new, give me a fresh start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use my life to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.